stories, big guests, the big picture. Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge. Weekdays 1230 to 3, 770 CHQR. These people abandoned the, uh, the, 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 the democratic uh, advantages of Canada, went to another part of the world voluntarily to engage in the most insidious acts of terrorism. Well, that is Public Safety Minister Ralph Goodale today talking about these ISIS returnees, these foreign fighters, and what the government's strategy is to deal with them. Now, you might recall there was a motion passed recently in the House of Commons that the Liberals themselves decided to back. It was a conservative motion, but it called on the government to to table a strategy for how it was going to deal with this issue. So... That is what the minister was talking about today. It's interesting timing because we've also got today uh, under the public safety ministry, the 2018 public report on the terror threat to Canada. And there's a clear link here. The principal terrorist threat to Canada, it says, and Canadian interest continues to be that posed by individuals or groups who are inspired by violent Sunni Islamic ideology and terrorist groups like, for example, obviously the Islamic State. Uh, So the minister was talking about this strategy, talking about this report. Joining us for more is uh, Global News investigative journalist Stuart Bell. Stuart, thanks for joining us here. Hi, Rob. Uh, So in terms of how the government is going to deal with the problem of foreign fighters, do we have a clear idea of of what their plan is now? Well, uh, they didn't really table a plan today, to be honest. That was what the motion had called for, was that they were supposed to table a strategy on how to bring um, ISIS members to justice, especially Canadian ones. But really all they've done is they tabled uh, less than six pages of basically what they're already doing. Um, so there really isn't a lot new in there. Um, there's also within that report quite a lengthy justification for why it's so difficult to bring charges against uh, Canadians who've gone overseas to take part in terrorist groups. So it, it seems like there's not really any strategy beyond what's already happening. There is something interesting here that you caught, because uh, last year it, it appeared to be the uh, minister, or at least the department's position, that there was an obligation to facilitate the return uh, of Canadian citizens. Today, however, the government seems to be saying the opposite. Yeah, it is a quite interesting about-face. In a briefing note to uh, Minister Ralph Goodale last year, uh, he was told that uh, Canada did have a legal obligation uh, to facilitate the return of Canadians, even if they'd taken part in terrorism overseas, that it was a charter uh, constitutional right of return for Canadians, and that that applied even to terrorists. now they're saying the exact opposite. In fact, the the report that was issued today in response to the motion um, says there is no legal obligation to facilitate the return. So uh, what happened uh, between those two very different interpretations of Canadian obligations is, I don't know, it's quite interesting. I mean, um, there has been some discussion that, um, you know, in the spring in the House of Commons there was quite vigorous debate about um, the uh, the New York Times had done a podcast on a Toronto area man who 
gave extensive interviews at the Times about how he had taken part in ISIS and had actually executed several people and then had returned to Canada and not been charged. So, you know, there's, there's some speculation that maybe the, um, the political fallout from that has perhaps prompted a, a change of opinion on how to deal with these cases. The question of laying charges, and, and Goodale did talk a bit about, you know, the, the challenges involved in, in gathering evidence and how we work with our allies and trying to do that, the possibility of, of charging people in absentia. Why is it that we have brought so few charges against these foreign fighters? I think the only people we've actually charged are people who attempted but were unsuccessful in, in going over there. Yeah, well, when you talk about Syria and Iraq, there are four people that have returned and have been charged. And two of those actually never really made it to Syria. They were turned back uh, by Turkish authorities. So it is a pretty small um, number. At the same time, the government's saying that, uh, and, and some research actually backs this up, there really aren't that many that have come back from Syria and Iraq. Uh, a lot of them have been killed. The, um, the coalition campaign, as well as U.S.-backed um, Kurdish forces and others, have been quite successful at killing um, ISIS members, including foreign fighters. So there's there's about two dozen or so that we know Canadians who have died. Um, some of them don't want to come back because they're you know they they just they're they're afraid of being prosecuted here, uh, and some of them are detained and do want to come back. So we haven't had a big influx of returnees yet. Mind you, there are some that are back. We know of a handful that have come back and, for the most part, have not been charged. And um, one of them in particular that I was writing about this week uh, has been posting material on uh, his Facebook page quite recently, uh, identifying himself as a, what he called, a mujahideen or a jihadist fighter in the land of disbelief. Um, he posted earlier some quite disturbing images on Facebook about terrorism and extremism and weapons uh, that he's now deleted. But the reality is um, there are people here that, you know, this fellow in particular, he's admitted that he was part of ISIS and yet he hasn't been charged. Um, So this is, you know, the the consequence of that is, of course, uh, Canadians have participated in an organization that's really responsible for horrendous atrocities. I mean, whether they committed them themselves, they in some way contributed to that group. Um, and they haven't been brought to justice for it. Well, we also had today, as noted, this uh, report released, the 2018 Public Report on the Terror Threat to Canada. Now, it talks about the risk posed by groups like the Islamic State, but does it say anything specifically about individuals who have fought for the Islamic State and have returned to Canada? Yeah, I mean, they do get into the returnee threat. Uh, They call it a significant security threat, which it is, uh, because we know people that have come back from other uh, jihadist conflicts have gone on to inspire others, recruit others, uh, fundraise, and and sometimes go back and participate in other conflicts. Um, at the same time, they say that they really haven't seen or don't expect to, a big influx of returnees from uh, Syria and Iraq. But they also outline um, their strategy for managing uh, extremist travelers. I wrote about this yesterday on Global News, um, how they uh, try to track and assess 
people that have returned from these conflict zones and then, uh, you know, try to figure out how best using a wide variety of departments involved in, in security and other things as well, how to try and mitigate the threat um, while the police try to gather evidence to, to bring a prosecution. It's interesting because, you know, this report takes a look at, at a variety of threats. And, and I don't know if it's necessarily a ranking, but it talks about uh, the principal terror threat being groups like the Islamic State. It does talk about right wing extremism. There, there was a question posed to the minister uh, when he was speaking with reporters about, you know, whether somehow right wing uh, extremism was being downplayed in any way by this report. It doesn't seem like it. Um, but what's the assessment of the threat that that poses? Well, the 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 right wing threat tends to be not so much what they would call a terrorist threat, in terms of there being a terrorist organization that has a you know a, a clear agenda that is committing violence to try and um, to try and advance that whatever ideology it is. It tends to be more um, online activity and then individuals who lone actors, you could say, who may take action based on their um, attempt to advance those ideas. So that's sort of the way that they look at it. I think they they take a fairly broad um, definition of right-wing extremism. Uh, they include anti-government, anti-law enforcement, white nationalists, racists, anti-Semitic, uh, Islamophobic, anti-immigration. Even this year, quite interestingly, they've included... Um, what they call male supremacy or misogyny, which I think is a nod to the uh, the Toronto van attack, which yeah. killed 10 people and involved allegedly a follower of incel ideas. So, um, yeah, they're acknowledging in more detail than I've seen before the kind of other threats that, um, that surface and that are kind of, uh, you know, predominantly um, ideas that are, floated around the internet, but that, as we've seen, occasionally people do take action based on them. Very interesting. Much more on all of this, globalnews.ca. Stuart, thanks so much for the update here. Appreciate it. Okay, thank you. Take care. Uh, Stuart Bell, National uh, Online Investigative Journalist for Global News, globalnews.ca. So here's one of the questions was posed to Ralph Goodale about laying charges against Canadians who have gone and fought for ISIS, either those who have come back to Canada or even against those who are still there. The gathering of evidence was a was a topic at both the the last G7 and the and the Five Eyes meetings, uh, and uh, indeed all of the uh, security and police agencies and Interpol uh, are working very tightly together uh, to make sure that uh, we get all the available information that we possibly can, and that it is as usable as it possibly can be uh, in uh, in. Uh, courts in our respective countries and all of our allies whether they're in the five eyes or the g7 or nato would uh, would have exactly the same challenge in terms of evidence that comes from a battlefield or uh, uh, evidence that uh, that was uh, first collected for a security purpose that doesn't lend itself to an evidentiary purpose uh, those are challenges that all of our countries face so we work together uh, to try to get the uh, uh, the best evidence that we possibly can in terms of charging people in absentia uh, that is under active consideration all of the time and uh, part of the part of the consideration there is uh, 
when do you have the file to the point where the evidence is complete? You may gather others, but you've got enough now to lay a charge. And uh, uh, the timing of the charge in relation to when you're actually physically able to get that person before a Canadian court. Bearing in mind that if too much time passes between A and B, uh, you may not be successful when you finally get it into court. So the, uh, the evidence will, will sustain itself. Once it's collected, it's collected. Uh, and whether the charge is laid this week or next month uh, is a judgment call to be made by the, uh, by the prosecution service and, and the police to make sure, and this is their guiding principle, to make sure it, it gets the conviction. That's, that's the point. Make sure that your process here is strong enough and that there are no uh, delays or interferences that would ultimately defeat or diminish the chances of getting a conviction. Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge, starting at 1230 on News Talk 770 Calgary.